Today is Friday, January 13th here in 2023, and this is Celtics Beat here on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of your Boston Celtics. Today's episode, episode 495, featuring Barstool Sports Dan Greenberg, is powered by BetOnline.ag and HelloFresh. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use that promo code CLNS50 at CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. And go to HelloFresh.com slash Beat21. That's Beat number two, number one, uh, for 21 free meals plus free shipping. Welcome aboard, everybody. Evan Valenti back here on Celtics Beat. No Adam this week. Adam is tied up at work, and sometimes stuff happens, and that's why you have producers and co-hosts who so pitch hit and have the key, the uh, show and everything keep moving as smoothly and as soonly possible. Uh, and with that, we welcome on our guest today. It joins us quite frequently, Barstool Sports Dan Greenberg. Coming off, Dan, you and I were just talking about a pre-show. It's always nice. When the Celtics beat Kyrie Irving, nine straight wins over the Celtic, over the Nets, excuse me. Always nice to see that. And you mentioned pre-show. Kyrie hasn't been good in like any of these games outside of game one in the playoffs where he was spectacular. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's ever since he stepped on lucky, things have just, you know, Red Arbacks getting his revenge. It's kind yeah. of freaky. It's like, it's weird. It would be one thing if he was still giving them problems and the Celtics were still winning. But it is a little – I mean, I don't think anyone is still really caught up in the Kyrie drama. It's been so long. But it is nice. I mean, you'd be lying if you said it wasn't nice to win, but also see him go 9 for 24. Like, that's the good stuff. Totally agree with that. Totally. I mean, it is – a win's a win. I always like wins. But these ones are just a little little extra special, you know. Speaking of special, oh. this show's going to be a little different. You know, I, I've been thinking about our show – uh, and I'd like to try out something a little different for the audience, whether you're listening or watching at home. So uh, this format today is going to be slightly different because we are once a week and we're in the midway point of the season, which we'll get later on in the show. We're going to talk about Dan put together 41 stone cold facts. Can't deny them. The season so far. They are Both good and bad. Both good and bad. Let's preface that. Yeah, and, and look, I have, a, as you saw in the Google Doc, I got a section mm-hmm. of good, a section of the ones I don't like. So we're going to talk about that later in the program. But being once a week, you know, it we miss out on the daily grind of here's what happened last night, here's what happened last night, here's what happened last night. So what we're going to do here, we're going to split this up into two parts. First part's going to be like last time, since last time we talked, and then we're going to focus more on Dan's piece and the 41 facts that can explain the Celtics season so far. So with that being said, since we last spoke on the show, again, a week ago uh, from uh, a week ago today, so last mm-hmm. week on Friday, Celtics came off a big win against Dallas. Uh, the Celtics have won four games in a row. It's really been five, and they've won nine of the last 11 thanks to the, the 109-98 win against the Nets uh, last night. No Jalen Brown for the Celtics last night wasn't really a big problem. And it wasn't oh, really – Al Horford. Don't forget Al. Nope, no, that's Al right. Horford. Yep, missing yep. two fits to start. I don't know Al Horford or uh, Al Horford last night. Uh, so those two absences – uh, big for Boston. Jalen's been on a roll. We'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, an off night for Jason Tatum. And I love how an off night, Dan, is 2011 and five. I know. It's great. It's, it just shows how ridiculous the standard and the well deserved standard is for him. Right. When like almost any other player in the league, 2011 and five is 
all-star production. And for him, it's like, man, he kind of threw up a stinker. It's just, it's insane how good he is. It's a bad game. It's crazy. uh, There's no, the the only thing that I'm kind of disappointed in is the lack of, like, he just had one bad game. Like, how everybody treated Giannis the other night where he had seven, like, uh, 12 and 11 or whatever he had the other night. I forget what he had, like, 20 rebounds the other night. But he only had seven points. He had a turn think, day. And everybody yeah, was I don't think Richard. I don't think Richard Jefferson's going on ESPN today talking about how Tatum was tired. Going yeah, what and, you know, whatever. Going off the back to back, and he carries such a huge offensive load for them without Jalen Brown. Whatever. I'm, we're not going to be that petty. But an off night for Tatum, twenty eleven and five, seven to twenty two shooting. Um, I mean, the three ball wasn't going, but I I, I liked a, a lot of what he did. Again, what's been fun to watch, um, has been just how quickly he gets off these double teams and like. I just laugh at that quote from Booker of not wanting to play double teams in like the summertime. And I just yeah. watched Jay, Jay, uh, Jason get double team pretty much every time to the ball on the court. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's important. He doesn't seem like he gets sped up anymore, right? Not anymore. Like, or when you could send two at him, he maybe rushed it. He maybe forced things. Now it's almost like he welcomes a double team because he already knows where he's going with the ball. So it's like you're only asking for trouble because now you're not getting him you know, double, you know, maybe rethinking it or rushing his process. He kind of knows where he's going to go before the double even comes. And it's basically taking away that weapon. Yeah, it's been awesome. And when they have Jalen on the floor, it's hard to double him because you got two guys out there that can drop 30 in an instant. But last night, not about Jalen, not about Jason Tatum. Last night, all about either the bench guys or guys that are normally reserves playing starting roles last night. Malcolm Brogdon, 16-5-2. and yep. two. Derek White, 15 and 7, and another weak side block for Derek White. 11 points for Luke Cornett, 12 points for Grant Williams. And look, I know. Pritchard Pritchard had nine. I wasn't, you stole my thunder. Pritchard, nine points, but three ginormous offensive rebounds last night. And most importantly, gave this team just energy Mm -hmm. off the bench that they needed considering coming off the back-to-back, some guys weren't, you know, some guys were dragging a little bit. But last night is once again proof that when they lock in, this bench is one of the best, if not the best, in the league, Greeny. Yeah, and honestly, you know, let's say Jalen's out, I'm going to say two weeks, just because I just, you know, I always expect the worst when the Celtics give me a timeline. It's always worse than what they think. So let's say he's out for two weeks, and that's, you know, a handful of games. You have to find a way to replace 28 a game on 50% shooting. And the only way to do that is if the others, you know, if you, that's what you want to call them. They have to find a way to contribute and they have to find a way to be efficient when they do it. You know, you know that given the attention he's going to get defensively, that you're going to see some, you know, nine of 22, whatever, you know, Tatum may not always be the most efficient because now teams can load up on him. So it's imperative that guys like Brogdon, White, that they're touching the paint and finding ways to, you know, really get the most out of their offensive possessions. And you're not just settling for threes or you're not taking contested jumpers. I thought everybody had the right approach last night. I mean, even Grant is making plays off the dribble to get to the rim. Like those are the things that went because bench scoring and second unit role players, there's going to be some fluctuation and you know you're not going to get what we saw last night every single game right because they're role players that that comes and goes but to get it on a back-to-back on the road against a team that's been playing great on both ends of the floor like 
that's a pretty big performance, especially to cover up for Tatum's like off night, so to speak. It's that's how they're going to survive without Jalen is to do it as a collective unit. Yeah, and for me, it's 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 mostly like I think it's the most important that Brogdon stays where he's at right now. Yeah, Brogdon, as you can see, like coming off the bench, giving them a guy that can handle the basketball, get to the rim, make good plays. His continued good play the past like five or six games, he's been really good ever since Joe. Missoula called oh, wow. him yeah. playing well. Like Brogdon's been the guy. And for me, you know, the guy that's going to to show the brunt of that scoring load is going to be Brogdon. I mean, I know yeah. White in times, but White's jump shot comes and goes unless he's in the corner. Yeah. He's lethal. Uh, you can't expect Grant to do a whole ton as a spot-up three-point shooter. Again, the drives are nice. He had a great yeah. finish last night. I forget who was in front of him. But he basically went right through his chest and finished a really tough shot. Uh, and and you can't expect Luke Cornett to drop eleven points a game. Like it's just not going to. I mean, the fact that he plays is is surprising in its, itself. But for him to drop eleven last night, including the 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 backwards alley oop that was totally yeah. a goaltend, but we're going to ignore that. Uh, Listen, you know, they owed us. They owed us two points. Oh, they the did. Bed. All right, so we're basketball even. gods always get it right. There you go. But uh, to me, it's it's mostly about Brogdon last night. I thought just the pace he plays with, the attacks, the basket. He is a really good three point shooter when he's got his feet set the right way. Um, and he just, you know, the the constant attack, attack, attack on the rim is really, really, really important for this team. You had a stat, and I, I didn't put it in my favorite stats. Um, why not? I don't know. I don't particularly know why, but. When you have guys getting to the basket or at least attacking the rim and you're one of the best free throw shooting teams in the league, Danny, that's, right. that's just big time stuff. And I think if you had to make an argument of which of the guys was the most impactful, I would say Brogdon by quite a bit, I think. Yeah. I would love to know like in there, cause he struggled for like a month. Right. And when you watched him, it never really made sense because it almost was like he forgot that he was really good at basketball. Right. He would, he would have the ball and I felt like. He overpassed a little bit or he just wasn't playing with that confidence where it's like, what are you doing, man? You're like a 20 point per game scorer like that. You're here to, you know, I wanted him to be empowered to look for his own shot over the last like five, six games. Like you said, it just feels like he's playing with a different approach where sure he could play make, he could find guys. He's a great passer. All that's true. But the biggest difference is now he's coming off high picks and he's looking to pull up from that mid-range jumper. I I feel like he's taking the responsibility of being that scorer first with that bench unit. And that's where I think we're really going to see his value. It's like he is so good at getting to the basket. He's so good at using his size to, to have that little combo floater game. He's a great free throw shooter. When he struggled, it's when he just like, decided to not use some of his best skills. And it was almost like he didn't want to get in the way. I would love to know if like in a film session, whether it was like the Tatum or the players or the coaching staff, like did anybody empower him to be like, Hey, Malcolm, you're a really good player. It's okay. If you have like three or four minute stretch where you are the number one option on that second unit, because he's proving he can carry that load. And we weren't seeing that during his month-long struggles. It's like he was apprehensive to shoot. That helped him lose his rhythm. So then he would get like a wide-open layup, and he like wouldn't know what to do. Now you're just watching a guy that like he's playing with a purpose, and I think that's made all the difference in the world. Yeah, and it, the the struggling stuff, it was like mind-blowingly bad decisions. Like he would take 
he would dribble for a few seconds, take a uh, a contested pull up three with like seventeen yeah. seconds up in the shot. It's just like it was so bizarre based so on smart. what Be how he played to to start the year. Where it's just like okay, maybe he, you know, I've only goes through slumps. That's that's fine, but. With Jalen out, him snapping out of that. I mean, he's not going to shoot 50-something percent from three forever. So, like, that's the part where you have to expect some variance. But the approach is what I care about more. And we're seeing a much more aggressive Brogdon, and it's made all the difference. Yeah, him attacking the basket is, is a huge deal. But, again, it, it, t- it takes a village, took everybody last night, uh, yeah. especially Peyton Pritchard, who, who just, again, the offensive rebounding thing, I don't know what it is with him. But he has a knack for offensive rebounds at like six foot one, and I've never seen really before. I think um, part of it is is teams are forgetting to block him out, and then they don't realize that he's a freaking maniac, and he's going to throw his body in. He doesn't give a yeah. shit that he doesn't. He doesn't care that he's you know five feet whatever. Like that's just high energy and effort. And I think when you're struggling maybe with your shot or you're not playing a lot and your your rhythm is because like that play against the Pelicans where he just totally botched a fast break, three-on-one fast break. That's just him not playing and not having a feel. So, like, when you're fighting all those things, the easiest thing you can do is just play super hard. And we saw playing super hard is what got him back into a rhythm. That that twitchy crossover pull-up where the jumper had, like, a 35-foot arc, that is that is yeah. why you Over Claxton, right? It was over Claxton? Yeah. That Ooh. play alone is why you don't Ooh. trade Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. It just I, I'll I'll uh, I'll end on Pritchard with this quote from Brad that resurfaced this week about how the game rewards toughness, mm. and how the game rewards guys that work hard. That's yeah. that's just the living spirit of that right there. Because again, you're right. Peyton, I think, understands that his role on this team is very limited. Like it basically, Peyton will only play if somebody's hurt. But he knows that his next opportunity opportunity will come if he plays hard and if he makes these energy plays like getting offensive mm-hmm. rebounds like that's just he just knows his role and he understands that's the one thing communicating everybody's role and everybody understands what they're doing this team has got that figured out way earlier than last year everybody knows what they're supposed to do the continuity of this team has been a big big reason why they're here uh, where they are and i think their success sort of encourages everybody to buy into that role right like if if the Celts were 500 and they weren't winning you would probably have some issues in terms of role, but no, like Peyton Pritchard's not going to be the guy that like messes up the chemistry because things are going so well. You know, Brogdon's not going to rock the boat because things are going well. You know, it's just Smart's not going to all of a sudden be upset with his role. So I think the winning is probably the biggest factor of that. Winning cures everything, Dan, as you know. Last point about this game. This is actually maybe one of the biggest things from this game, and, and not a lot of people are talking about it. But once again, the Celtics held an opponent to under 100 points. It's the third time in the last five games they've done so. And now their defense, per cleaning the glass, is fourth. They're tied with the Philly at one, uh, 111.6 per 100 possessions. Yep. Uh oh, Dan, the defense figured it out. I know. Well, <laughs> I feel like the last time we talked, it was we talked about like, oh, are there concerns over the defense? And it's it's almost like everyone had amnesia, where it's like when you go into a season and you have a new system, new coach, whatever, the offense always, you know, shows up before the defense does. It takes time for guys to adapt to the system to get to find that balance. It's no different this year than it was last year with Ime. So it's like, guys, just take a deep breath. Here we are. 
you know, they've been third in the NBA per on NBA.com since December. So it's like, it's not just, oh, they got Rob back. They were, you know, defending at a high level, you know, even the two weeks prior to Rob coming back. It's just a matter of understanding that defense is about continuity and it's about, you know, cleaning up mistakes and understanding where certain guys are going to be. And every year is new. So it's like, just because they were elite last year, you have to almost forget that and relearn it each season. We're seeing what they look like when they've figured out what everyone has to do. And if they're going to be a top five offense, top five defense, top five in assist percentage, like they're checking off all the boxes we wanted them to check to become a legitimate contender. And it's just great to see because it should only get better as Rob gets his conditioning, as guys, you know, get healthy, as they feel more confident, maybe their schedule lightens up a little bit. So, you know, I think any worry you had maybe in like November about their defense should not exist uh, anymore. Well, what I'll say is uh, it does help to have Rob back. And I, and the one thing that we should probably mention Rob 29 minutes last night. And I mean, Scal kept bringing it up in the game that, you know, Rob was clearly going to go past whatever minutes restriction they had for him uh, last night, 29 minutes, his, I believe season high so far. I don't think he's come close to, to even touching that. Um, just a real quick search. Yeah. 29 minutes is the most he's played uh, so far this year. So good to see Rob out there, but it's, it's not shocking to me. It's not shocking to you that their defense has taken a whole leap since Rob's been in the, in, in the building and with him and smart and Tatum out there at the same time, those are just, I mean, they have plus defenders all over the place, but those three guys specifically, and then Derek White's ability to block guys on the weak side, like this is a, they have the pieces to do it. They have all these unbelievably switchy, twitchy guys, long guys, to make this defense really work. Um, you know, some of the off ball stuff is really great, but Rob just, you know, there's a several things about Rob that make me laugh. The defense and the passing both on display last night. The defense, the passing. I just think there are sometimes he's like a little too excited. I mean, he throws absolute lasers. So it's like, I love the idea, but I think he just gets so amped up to make the right play. I think it was, uh, it was a turnover. I think he was passing to maybe it was like a cutting Brogdon or it was. It was uh he had a stretch. I was texting about this with with Kaufman and our buddy Landman. He came in with like three twenty to go in the half. And between that and like two fifteen, he had three like on and the one to Brogdon, like he could have dunked it or like oh, sorry, I was gonna it. say he's when he's right there, like just take the little the little float. But at the same time, he if Brogdon had caught it, Brogdon had a wide open layup. Right. So right. it's like Rob, just shoot it next time. But at the same time, like wasn't a bad play. Brogdon would be ready for that. But then he had two other passes later on. Again, he doesn't get the assist for that because it pings around a couple of times. But Rob's ability to start the the set that like gets somebody an open shot, like right. you can't overlook that and how special it is for your center of all guys to be doing that. And the Celtics have like two guys that can. Well, that's what I mean. How about the little cornet no look, the bounce pass? I mean, that's, so good. that's your third string so center good. that's making that play. So, so good. I just think I just think Rob, he's he's so amazing and he plays with so much joy and passion and energy. He just has to remember, like, you're throwing absolute lasers from like two feet away. Just take it down like half a notch and you'll be fine. 
Yeah, it's been a, been a lot of fun watching Rob out there, uh, for sure. And again, this defense really starting to turn it around and, and really, you know, run into form. Uh, since we also last spoke, uh, I do want to touch briefly on the New Orleans game, 125-114, mainly because Jalen Brown was insane. 41 points, 12 rebounds on 15 of 21. Anybody who wants to give me any flack about him having zero assists in that game can go pound saying, do not Grow care. Up. He had 18, Grow up. 18 and 10 at halftime. I put the question in the, in the, in the rundown here, Greeny. Was it his best game as a pro? His best this year for sure. I don't know if that was his best as a pro. We've seen him do some, some crazy stuff. Yeah. I don't... I got... I got the list. 37, 14, and 5 uh, versus Miami this year in that loss in overtime. Jimmy Butler was insane. He had 46, 9, and 6 uh, to open last year. That was against the Knicks in a loss, but it was crazy. Had 50, 11, and 4 against Orlando on January 2nd last year. So a year ago, almost to the day um, in an overtime against Orlando, a 40 point game against Lakers two years ago, 49 and 3 against the Sixers two seasons ago. So he's had some in, like insane games. But this one, from like a will standpoint, like Jalen just put it down on New Orleans that night. You know what it reminded me of? And I don't want to bring up I'm, – I'm nervous to even say the words. It reminded me of his game one in the finals. In mm. that fourth quarter where he just, mm. he just put the team on his back and willed them. Like there was no stopping him in the mid-range. There's no stopping him getting him from the rim. There's no – it was just – he was playing possessed. And I think when Jalen gets in those modes, like, again, if you're complaining that he didn't have any assists, like, you just you just aren't understanding him. Find as a new a- sport. Like, just find a new sport. This yeah. is not the sport for you. There are going to be games where he has four or five assists. Great. There are also going to be games where his sole purpose in those 48 minutes is to get buckets. Like, and the way when he's efficient and he's aggressive and – there isn't a shot he can take that I'm like, ah, Jalen, that wasn't the best shot because I've seen him hit them all. So as long as he's remaining aggressive and getting into his spots, that's all I care about. Yeah, and the big thing out of this uh, for me, uh, besides Jalen Brown just being insane, and again, uh, just the luxury of having Jalen and Jason combined for like 60 a night is, is yeah. just unbelievable. In that game, 72, Tatum had 31 by himself. Well, that was another – yeah, that's another Tatum game. You're like, yeah, he didn't really play that well. And you look down, he's got 30 and 10 and 4. And you're like, what yeah. is happening? He had Tatum that night, 32, 8 and 7, and Jalen 41 and 12. Like, you know, and this is the bigger point I want to make is this team between these two guys, I don't think we're making a big enough deal – I mean, I think Celtics fans are. I think like you have done this, and I think a lot of Celtics fans are, are just pounding the table for this. I just don't think there's enough national recognition here. Jalen and Jason, I'm pulling up a thread here that I gotta I gotta look for. But Jalen and Jason are currently averaging 58 points a game, roughly, right? It, it was approximately right. Right. 50 points, uh, 58 points per game, which is insane. But how insane is that, really? Well, I went back and looked it up because you know I was really curious um, in terms of you know, how in terms of the greatest duos of the past 20, 30 years, what that looks like. So Pete, Kobe. Probably him, it's probably them and like Shaq and Kobe. Pete, Kobe, say. and Shaq, which is like, oh, 2000 to 2003, hovered around 57 to 58 a game. Okay. Okay. That's peak Kobe and Shaq. Shaq, <laughs> one of the most dominant players I've ever seen in my time. entire life, yeah. right? More guys like that. Peak Katie and Russ. 
combined for 51 point six a game. Peak LeBron is that, and is that during KD's MVP year? Yeah, I would guess. Yeah. Peak LeBron and Wade, 52.6. Peak Yao and T Mac, 49.6. Yeah. Jays are at 58. And I, I threw this out there. I'm like, you know, the Jays are, uh, a Tatum like run away from averaging 60 a game combined. Yeah. And I would you're say- the thing with that is, I mean, the, the numbers are ridiculous. You do have to sort of adjust with the era, right? Like in the early 2000s, Shaq and Kobe did that, like, you know, without really taking threes. So, but that just shows you like how good they are as score at three level scorers that they're putting up that high of an amount. I would just say, you know, earlier and younger me would be pretty bothered. Like I saw the ringer put out like the, the top 20 player list and Jalen wasn't on it. Like stuff. Like, he's going to make it all in team. I'm pretty sure he's top 20, but like that stuff, I don't care as much anymore. Like that, you know, if the Celtics aren't talked about like by the Nash, by ESPN, by the talking heads, like for me, we've moved past that. We're in, we're contending for titles now. Like that is my singular focus where before, I probably re- would have written, like, a 10,000-word blog that Jalen wasn't on this top 20 list. Like, I just think we know what they are. We know how good they are. I don't need Stephen A. Smith to tell me that Jalen Brown is good. Like, I know Jalen Brown is good. I care about, are is this team doing what it needs to do to ensure that, you know, they have as good a chance as any to get back to the finals? Like, if they don't, if Tatum doesn't start the All-Star game because of some positional voting weirdness, like, Whatever. I'm past, I'm past caring about that. If he doesn't win MVP, like, I think he's a, a legitimate candidate. But, like, whatever. I think everyone between the fans and the players should be on the same page where, like, the only thing that matters is are they stacking up wins, are they healthy, and are they going to be ready for when the games truly matter? That's truly all that matters. Selfishly, though, like, I'm – I like to listen to other people tell me how awesome my team is, you know, yeah. just from a selfish standpoint. Cause you know, I, I have, you know, these long walks with my dog and I like to put content on, you know, I'll throw podcasts on all the time. And uh let me tell you, I do go hunting some like today <laughs> when I go walk my dog, I'm going to hunt a little bit for like, who talked to the Celtics this morning or this, or this afternoon that I can like, put on and just and geek out to and smile for a while just because you know look I like I know how good they are I just want you to understand as the viewer or you as the national media understand how good these C's are and how historic what Jalen and Jason are doing at 24 and 26 right now like it's it, it's the best possible outcome you could ask for shy of winning a title right now it's, it's just, I will ask you this though sure. interesting how there's no you know anonymous sources uh that seem to be doing any Sort of leaking. Yeah. Isn't that isn't that interesting? How you know when you're the best team in the NBA, suddenly you know Jason Tatum isn't a selfish player. Suddenly, suddenly there isn't any issues between J- Tatum and Brown. It, it does make you wonder a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, look, uh, <laughs> I the clip that I love is is like I think it's the NBC Sports Boston sit down where they're both you know chilling next to each other, and Jalen's like, "Well, I want to win." Hey, man, you want to win? He wants to win too. So yeah, I think we're good. Like I, I'm, yeah. I go back to that. I'm like, I think we're going to be all right. Well, it's funny because I don't know if I tweeted out after the Pelicans game, you know, there was the, the response by Joe when Washburn was trying to ask him the question of like, how do you manage the dynamic of two guys that pop? It's like, listen, man, things are great. There are no issues. What are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. 
I, I, I see what Gary was trying to do. Like, I totally understand that. Uh, but I appreciate Joe for just being like, bro, are you kidding me right now? We're, this team has the best record in the league. We're not going to start talking about drama between Jalen and Jason because there isn't any right now. We're doing really well. I I couldn't help but laugh at that. It's like, you know, you can really tell when things are good when you're trying to scrape the bottom like that. So yeah. Uh, shout out to Grant Williams on that game. He had 20 points, his first big Grant game of the year. Uh, and then also Tatum and Brown. If you go back to the Spurs win, they combined for 64 in that game. These guys are ridiculous. As I said yesterday, I had that big thread of, you know, duos and stuff. If you just enjoy the ride, guys, it's, it's just, it's just a lot of fun. Just enjoy the ride. It we're doesn't, seeing things, we're seeing things that like my dad didn't even see in his right. coming of age year. Like we're seeing generational play in terms of what the, you know, best Celtics duos of all time have done. Yeah. The only thing that's missing is the title and they look pretty good as, yeah. you know, favorite so well on their way there but we're gonna take a quick break tell you today's show new sponsor brought to you by hello fresh with hello fresh you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep skip trips to the grocery store and count on hello fresh to make home cooking easy fun and affordable and that's why the number one they're america's number one meal kit look i hate going to the grocery store on Sundays, especially because it's an absolute zoo. You will never find me there. You're always going to find me there when there's not a lot of people there. With HelloFresh, I don't have to go anywhere. It comes to me. You have New Year's goals out there, and HelloFresh wants to help you achieve them. Skip the grocery store. Take control of your time and your budget with this delicious recipes delivered right to your door and healthy ones at that. If you're looking to find an easy way to eat well, save money, cut back on expensive takeout. Takeout's insane. DoorDash, holy moly, could rack up. Huge bills of DoorDash. Trust me, I have. Uh, and you can start with HelloFresh today. You love how fast, easy, affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. So they sent me a nice little gift box, HelloFresh. I appreciate that, guys. Like and that. in every box, you get a little card that com- that looks like this, okay? This is a recipe card. It's going to give you all the details of all the ingredients inside the box and what it's going to approximately look like when it's done. Kudos to this person. This is the hardest part of the whole thing, by the way, this little dressing here. And then it gives the instructions on the back. So what I decided to do last night after the season, when I was feeling good about myself, feeling confident, was I made this crunchy curry chickpea bowl, which is super healthy for you. I made it. It's right here. You can kind of see it right here. It's excellent. Uh, the one thing I'll tell you is, Evan, what does it taste like? Um, if you've been to New York City, or any major city, but I use New York a lot because uh, you'll see these all the time. I call them street meat carts. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, halal carts. If you order your basic like lamb or chicken with rice and salad and like whatever sauce on top, this is what this is. Basically, right at your very doorstep. Easy to make. Doesn't take a lot of time. You don't have to worry about proportions, essentially. You can kind of even add a little bit if you want to mix it up. You want to add a little spice that you have in your life if you want to make it spicy or whatever. By all means, do it. It's absolutely delicious. Made it last night. I was going to eat right there, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep moving on here because we have a lot to talk about. But HelloFresh, excellent stuff. Uh, I It was 11 o'clock at night, I think, by the time I finished. And I stuffed my face with a pocket knife, even though I'm not supposed to do that. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Beat21. Use that promo code Beat21. That's B-E-A-T, lowercase beat, the number two, number one, for 21 free meals plus free shipping. That's America's number one meal cut. That is HelloFresh. Evan Valenti, Dan Greenberg. 
Uh, since we last had a show, a lot of things happened. A lot of Celtics wins for good stuff. Also, new all-star voting is out. Tatum climbing in the fan vote. Past Embiid. So we start with Tatum, Danny. Will he start? Well, I think today is actually another, what, three for one voting day. So I think he, I look at it like this. I just wish the all-star teams and the all-NBA teams just got rid of positions and just said, hey, here are the five best players in the conference. Because it is crazy that somebody between Giannis, Embiid, Tatum, and uh, and Durant, if he, you know, he's probably going to miss it for injury. But just in theory, that one of them wouldn't start the All-Star game when all of them are going to be in the MVP conversation is ridiculous. Okay. My guess is he should start if he's able to, you know, if Celtics fans show out and, you know, help increase his lead over Embiid. But like I said, like, we're pa- I'm past really even caring if he starts, comes off the bench. Like, listen, I know how good he is. You know how good he is. Um, there's no difference, I think, between, you know, incentives if you're a starter or a reserve, like whatever. But until they abolish the the positions for all this stuff, someone's going to get squeezed out. I think maybe the fan vote shouldn't be 50% because fans obviously don't really take it seriously. So um, I hope both him and Jalen make it. I think Jalen's, his climb might be a little tougher. Um, but listen, as long as they're healthy, as long as they just, you know, don't party too much. I mean, it's in Salt Lake, so I don't know what kind of trouble you can get into in Utah. But um, I just want everyone to stay healthy and have a good time. Yeah, it's really at the end of the day, it's all we really care about after watching Kemba Walker's career get ruined. That's what I mean. Like, I have PTSD from that. Like, yeah. let's just let's. Just I, got, I got into a lot of fights with Raptors fans after that. I was like, you guys, like, I was like, look, you have to understand that that they definitely told Nick Nurse not to play Kemba that much. Like, yeah. that happens. That discussion happened. And if you guys want to ignore that, then fine. But that definitely. Whenever you send anybody to an all-star game, the first thing they say is, hey, can you, like, not play my guy that much? I mean, it happens in baseball all the time. Managers are like, hey, can you not pitch my guy because he's supposed to start, like, the first game after the all-star break? So, you know what I mean? Now, is Joe is Joe coaching – how do they do the coaching stats for that? I can't remember. Is it – You have to be the front – team in first place if you didn't make the finals last year. So that – I I or if you didn't coach it last year. I think it's if you didn't coach it last year and your team's in first place at the All-Star break, you get to coach. So I think Joe's in the line. Yeah, I was going to say, I would just prefer him just to sit everybody. (laughs) Don't even play any of your own guys. You know, we're just going to take this off where you guys can help the rest of you guys play. Maybe run run Giannis into the ground or something. Let's see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, tire him out because apparently he's already tired. But Tatum's going to make it whether he starts or comes off the bench. You know, I guess it's just for like street cred and we'll see what happens when the media and the players vote. I mean, those four guys are all super popular. Like they're all incredible players. I, 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 I guess we'll find out who resonates more amongst the, the players, but I, mean, I, I guess know. my guess is Durant will miss it because he'll be hurt and yeah, then that will solve all well. the issues kind of just like last year. Yeah. Um, but if they all were to play, I don't know who you, I don't know who you keep out. Yeah, I don't know either, but uh, I'll say this, and just to come back at you, Jalen Brown's making the all-star team. Like, I, I, there's no question for me that Jalen Brown's making the all-star team. Has to, he's, he has to make the all-star team. I know. I would I'm think sorry. so, but you just never know. I Let would me think- tell you something. I will, I will have a full, full-blown Twitter meltdown if Jalen Brown's to make the all-star team. 
Because they do what? It's it's not position when they do reserves. It doesn't matter about the positions, right? It's just well, Jalen's kind of a hybrid position anyway. You could put him as a guard or a forward. Like it don't matter. Just get him yeah. up. Yeah. You know the the real. And I've been kind of asking some people this um, a little bit. Uh, the real question is: is how does Jalen Brown get on the All NBA team? Because pick six guards. Because it's 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 tough. Well, I'm trying to think. When DeRozan made it, what was he listed at? Because I remember there was a difference between what he was as an all-star and what he was as an all-NBA player. I have to look at that. I don't know. So I think he may get some – they may try to wiggle him in there. But in terms of six guards, yeah, you're going to have the same – It's tough. You're going to have the same problem. It's Curry, Luka, Halliburton, Shea – and yeah. then um, you're gonna have some you got other Donovan guys. Mitchell in there. Donovan, you got Jalen. I think I think there's like five blocks, and I would yeah. say Mitchell Curry. Curry's gonna come back and play, so he's gonna make it. And this is a bearing major injury for anybody. Mitchell Curry, Luca Shea, and Halliburton are like locks for me. Yeah, I, it's in in so it's one spot, and there's like 17 guys vying for it. And again, Jalen. I mean, look, I love Jalen, and for selfish reasons, I'd really like Jalen to make an All NBA yeah. team this season. <clears throat> Correct. Really I would like awesome. him to sign that extension early, please. Thank please, you. Please, <laughs> for the love of everybody, I need Jalen Brown to make an All Star team. I don't want to do this. I know you don't want to do this thing where we spend nope. an entire season trying to figure out what the hell Jalen Brown's going to do. You know, I, I'd be curious because you know. I don't rule out the theory that Wick maybe put in a phone call when Tatum got snubbed so he wouldn't have to offer him the Supermax that one year. I wonder if he calls back and says, hey, we need I'm, not do- like, t- I'm cashing in my favor. Time to slide in Jalen because uh, we don't want him to hit the open market. Look, I don't really care if it, if, it, if that phone call is what it takes, but we need that phone call to get it done. Um, last thing in this little segment that we just did, the last thing in terms of uh, what happened since the last time we talked, Tatum once came out, allegedly. Allegedly, the first signature shoe for Jason Tatum came out. How to make you feel? I'm not a huge shoe guy, so maybe I'm. I just I would ask them to, you know, maybe maybe that was the soft launch to maybe get the initial reaction. That can't be his shoe. It's it just. Really bad. I'm bad. sorry, it can't bad. be his shoe. And I don't know if that's a, if that's a Jordan brand thing. I know there were some pictures how it sort of looked like an earlier Jordan. It can't be. It it's just can't be true. That's how you have to like. Did he see that, and did he maybe feel the pressure to just go along with it? Because like you know, he didn't know if he could push back. I don't know. I don't know how those those meetings went, but I would like to see the options that got turned down to see if that's the one that they went with. I just I don't know if that can be his shoe. <laughs> I I know I, I don't I don't I know it can't be his shoe. That can't be. His <laughs> I loved. I think it was like uh, it was Brett Auerbach on Twitter who who was like. Like we're on the we're on the Tatum twos. We're not even to yeah. We're on. I just you know it's got to be such an awesome moment for him to finally have his own shoe. Oh yeah. I just can't imagine he saw those and he was like, "Yep, this is it. We nailed it." I just can't imagine that to be the case. It's not going to be. Trust me. We gotta we gotta make moves. We can't have our our uh, favorite son having a shoe that looks like that. We just can't do it. I can, I'm going to get those in Marshalls in like three years. Like we can't be doing it. <laughs> <laughs> like can't have that. <laughs> 
Oh, man, with that, we'll take another break quickly. Today's show is brought to you by uh, BetOnline.ag. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season. Everything from NFL and bowl season, which is you know, almost over for the NFL, bowl season is done, to eSports and the World Cup also done. You have baseball coming up. You have March Madness around the corner, that which means that the Masters is coming. So there's a lot on the calendar for you to gamble on as we continue here in 2023. And you always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at betonline.ag. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. Again, eSports on that list, and they're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. I always give out a, a fun NBA special, the special of the week for betonline.ag. How will LeBron pass Kareem? Two-pointer, minus 275, free throw, super anticlimactic, plus 325, and a three-pointer, plus 525. I take the free throw just for the odds. You know LeBron's not making a three, uh, and a two-pointer, just the juice isn't, isn't good enough. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus to your first deposit. Make sure you use that promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Again, that's CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Evan Valenti, Dan Greenberg, Barstool Sports, and we finish up with, I would say, what was a incredibly factual article that Dan had come out with after the halfway point, 41 games. Uh, Dan had 41 stone-cold facts for the first 41 games of the season, and I would like to go over some of my favorites and, of course, some of my not-favorites. But I lumped Dan into this one. The first one is just basically – Three stats and one stat. And they're all like win-loss. There were a one. few of those. There were a few of those. In yeah. There. So four, five, and six on your list. I combined the one. The Celtics lead the NBA in wins versus teams 500 or better with 13. And this is at the time of 41 games. Uh, they have won two more since then. So they now have uh, 15 wins uh, versus teams that are 500 or better with the win over New Orleans and the win over the Nets last night. No other team at the time had more than 10. Conversely, they are 16 and five against teams under 500. So we'll make it 17 and five because they beat the Spurs. Those five losses, second fewest in the NBA. And Boston is just one of three teams over 500 on the road. 13, now 14 and 14 seven, and 15 and seven, and 15 and seven, right? Cause they beat the Spurs on the road. And the Nets, but Spurs, yeah. So they, yeah. So they're fifteen and seven. I can look it up real quick. But yeah, uh, they're 15, they should be fifteen and seven now. They're good. That's just yeah. they're good. <laughs> Best in the all, NBA is the point. <laughs> oh yeah. All we're getting here is the Southerns have won a lot of games, but they've won a lot of games against all competition. It's not like they've won only home games, like the Warriors or uh, a bunch of road games, or they've beaten up on the bad teams and have beaten the good teams. Or they've beaten good teams, but they haven't beaten the bad teams. They play on their competition level. Like, no, they've just flat out damn beaten everybody. Just yeah, and I think and why I wanted to include that is after the Oklahoma City loss, I think there was a little bit of this narrative of like, oh, the Celts have this huge problem when they play down to their competition and they just lose to all these bad teams. Yes, there have been games, five of them, that they've lost to an under 500 team. But this is not what we saw last year, I think they had 10 or 11 uh, double digit or losses against teams under 500. And not all those teams under 500 are created equal. Like the bulls fit that description, but they're better than the thunder. So I just wanted to point out that like, yes, they're normal. They have games where they don't show up or they, whatever, just like every other team 
over the course of 82 games. But when you take a step back and you see that they actually have the second fewest losses against bad teams in the NBA, maybe it's not a big of a much of a deal as was being made after that Thunder loss, which was horrific. I mean, they gave up 150 points. That's inexcusable. But I do not think they have the same same sort of lack of mental focus against under 500 teams that we've seen in previous you know seasons. There are going to be games where they lose, like they're normal. That just happens. But when you factor it in that they're also beating everybody that's good, they're the only team that's really look like, you know, killing people on the road outside of Brooklyn. Like they're fitting the profile of what you want as a contender. And I just feel like you have a bad loss here and there. That doesn't undo everything you've done the entire season. Yeah, the the road record for me is is the, I think the most important thing. I mean, teams wins over teams that are five hundred. That's that's awesome. But you can be twenty one and twenty. That counts as a, as a win over teams that are five hundred. I don't know if I know you've done it because you know you've done the research. I don't think people have looked into the road records of some of these teams in the NBA. Like you look at the top of the East: C's fourteen and seven, Nets fourteen and eight, Bucks eleven and ten on the road, and the Knicks surprisingly are 12 and eight on the road. So shout out the Knicks who are putting together a pretty fun season. But like in terms of teams that are over 500, on oh, the that's, road, it. Those those four, that's it. That mm-hmm. is it. Cavs nine and 12 on the road. Uh, the 76ers eight and nine on the road. Nuggets 10 and 10 Grizzlies 10 and 10 Pelicans eight and two Mavs eight and third mm-hmm. or eight and eight and 12 for the Pelicans eight and 13 for the Mavs. The most important one, the most shocking one, is Golden State is three and sixteen on the road. And guess what, Dan? Last time I checked, you have to win some road games at some point to win a title. And if you, if this, if you have, if you're one of four teams in the league that have a, a, above five hundred on the road, that says something about your team. I think personally. Not only that, but you have to remember. I'd say of all their road wins, let's see. Let's say they have fifteen of them. I'd say off the top of my head. Four or five of them at minimum are coming on back to backs, which you're not even having Al Horford for. So not only are they winning on the road, but they're winning on the road on back to backs without a major contributor to their starting lineup. And some of those were before Rob even came back as well. So it really just goes to show you like they're building a bulletproof resume of it doesn't matter if they're home. It doesn't matter if they're on the road. It doesn't matter if they're rested on back-to-backs, good teams, bad teams. You roll the ball out, the Celtics are probably going to beat you, and that's just – it's a great problem to have. This comes via Sean Grandy at 4 o'clock in the morning. I saw that last night, yeah. I love Sean. I don't know how Sean does this. I don't know what his sleep schedule is like. It must be crazy. But, Sean, if you don't know, Sean Grandy at 4 o'clock in the morning will just throw out a bunch of awesome stats. I call them Grandy Bombs. I love a good Grandy Bomb. Grandy Bomb. Last night, just to piggyback off the, uh, the, the back to backs thing. And this has been a staple of Brad Stevens' team mm-hmm. since he got to the league. And it's like mind blowing how unbelievable the, like, the, how good the Celtics are on second, uh, games of back to backs on zero days rest this season. Grandy crushed the stat. C's are seven and oh with a plus 12.3 point differential. Now it does okay. matter who you play at the end. Like I, there is, factors into that right you could be playing you know the nets are a good team to play in a back-to-back but sometimes you get like the rockets or the wizards or uh the hornets but like regardless 
Again, no Allen Horford in those games. What they've done is they've staggered Allen Rob in these, where Rob doesn't play one, Allen's playing the other. But like they are blowing teams out when they are when they're playing in the second Keep game. Keep going though, because the best part of Grandy's stat is the last one. <laughs> well, all right, so I got to pull that up. Hang on a minute. I had I had thought that that was the best one. So no, so no. well, not best one, but the most the most mind blowing is is his third part. So you have zero days rest. You have one day's rest, 22 and five, 8.4, uh, plus scoring differential, two or more days. This is staggering to me, two and seven with two a minus 5.6 scoring differential. Horrendous. <laughs> uh, the worst team in basketball when they get rested makes and, no sense. <laughs> well, I guess that's good because you're not going to get a ton of rest in the playoffs. So. That's great. I don't, I don't know. Well, you would think, right? Like, okay, Al's older. He's getting his rest. Tatum and Brown, they're finally getting rest. They're shooting like 40% from the floor and 30% from three on two days rest. Makes no sense. <laughs> and maybe hopefully, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know. I, I can't I'm explain like, it. I'm pretty sure uh, of those, what was it, two and seven, like a big portion of those are home games. So it's like they're not even traveling with rest. It's they're at home and rested and still can't buy a bucket. Doesn't make sense. I I don't know. Uh I don't know. But it, it doesn't seem to matter too much because they're just deadly when they're like when they're tired. I, 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 I know. I don't know. Well again, the war of attrition, hopefully that'll that'll work out best for uh, the season, the end here. But uh yeah, that stat via Granny, ridiculous. Next <laughs> stat that I love, number eleven. Maybe my favorite one of the entire forty one. It's the ne- one of the next two. But number 11, Marcus Smart has an assist percentage of 38.1 with only a 16.5% usage rate. In comparison, Dame Lillard, 31.8 assist percentage, which is uh, less than Smart, with a 31% usage rate. Of those players with that low of usage, only Mike Conley has a higher assist percentage. And this is a huge win for the guy that I think is probably big one. I, enjoy, I smiled when I typed that one out. Mark, that you, was a big one for me. You take more smart flack than I think anybody on the internet. I personally, <laughs> at least you, you display it more than anybody else. Cause you're sick of everybody's BS. This one is a huge win for those like myself, yourself, who was like, you know, Marcus smart can actually play point guard. And he's been yep. not only, not only do the stats bear that out, but if you watch the games where smart doesn't play, Look at how dysfunctional the offense is. Yep. Like they don't get into their sets as quick. He is like they talk about the glue guys, the guys that the connector guys. Smart went from, I guess, a chucker. I'd say a chucker. You know, when he was early in his career, to like the ultimate connector guy for the Jays in like two seasons. And it's in like just his development over the years has produced this guy who's. You can't you 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 have to have him on the floor at the end of games. Like I don't care how bad he's shooting, I don't care what kind of game he's having from a turnover perspective. He just has to be on the floor at all. And this turnover rate, I think you put in there, is also super low this yeah. year. So it's been like just the best market smart year ever. It's awesome. It's interesting because you do have to be on it. Like there are times where the offense will stall when he's on the floor. Like he's not a flawless point guard. Like he's a normal player in that regard. But we're at the point now. We're, you know, a season and a half into it, call it, you know, 150 games, including the playoffs of him in this role. There's simply no denying that he is one of the most premier facilitating point guards in not only the East, but in the league. 
he's, you know, like you said, the, the assist percentage is fantastic. His career high, 7.2 a game, phenomenal. But when you, the biggest thing is when you watch him play, he understands where everybody on the floor wants the ball. And that is the true job of a point guard of, you know, not only making the right play, but getting the ball to guys in situations that set them up for success. Just look at the opening play last night. He draws in, draws the crowd, has the beautiful no-look pass behind his head to Rob for a dunk. So it's just the continuity that they have playing together is why I think he thrives in this role, because he understands how everyone else around him plays, what their strengths are, and when they need to get the ball. And if you watch him and his decision-making in terms of, should I shoot it or keep the ball moving? Since he became the starting point guard of this roster, he is passing that shot way more than he's taking it. And we've seen what it has done for their offense. We've seen what it's done to their team record. And we saw what it did for them to finally break through and get to an NBA Finals. He just has to make sure he keeps his turnovers in check and he keeps his sort of his cool when things are maybe not going his way. But Marcus Smart as a starting point guard is validating everything people like you and I have been saying for the last, I don't know, five years. Yeah, Smart's uh, field goal attempts per game, because this is the one that bugs everybody the lowest since 2018, 2019. Yeah, under 10, 9.4. I like, I don't know, it might be on your list, but there's a a fourth quarter shooting stat in there that I also found. uh, I did not have that in there. Why Why don't you enlighten us? So at the time I wrote this blog, he had taken, I think it was 50. So everyone always says, oh, Marcus Smart needs to learn his role and not shoot in the fourth quarter and blah, 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 blah. (laughs) On the season, and when I wrote this blog, he had taken 54 shots in the fourth quarter. Peyton Pritchard, who doesn't play, has taken 57 shots in the fourth quarter. So... Yeah, garbage time. So don't tell me that Marcus Smart isn't accepting his role and right. doesn't know how to fit when he's literally the like the ninth guy on the roster in fourth quarter shooting. It just shows that you're not watching and you don't want to get over an old narrative. That's also, all shout out Payne Pritchard getting shots up at the end of garbage time, man. If he's got right. and all of his are garbage time, but it just goes to show you like this dude barely plays and right. he has more fourth quarter shots than Smart does on the season. Right. Uh, final stat I liked, and this again, it's either one A or one B here. Number sixteen, Jason Tatum currently has his highest free throw attempt rate of his career, forty percent. This was up from last year's thirty percent, which is a career high. Not rocket science. Going to the line eight, nine times a game has unlocked Tatum's thirty point per game scoring ability, and there's no there's no denying that anymore. Um, the one thing about Tatum is again he's attacking the rim a lot more. But like the way he feathers through and like gets through guys and, and finishes these crazy acrobatic layups. Um, he had one against, I think it was, I think it was the Pelicans where he had, no, it was last night where he had that ridiculous floater, I think over somebody with a tear. Uh, Nick Claxton, the finger yeah. roll. It's like, <sighs> now he's starting to do this. Again, the fact that he's attacking the basket, being more aggressive, and that results in good things. Like he's that's finally clicked for him. And I think Hanlon talked about for the first time in Tatum's life, he's had a really normal off season yep. where he can actually work on stuff. And that yep. was one of the things they worked on was getting downhill, getting into the free throw line, or at least trying to finish through contact. Like that's that's where they worked on a lot of stuff, and it's it's unlocked his like. And you can even make. 
Yeah, you could even make the case he still doesn't even get an adequate whistle either. So yes, he has a career there high in, in in free throw rate and free throws, but like it should probably be a little bit higher if you just you know gave him a normal whistle, uh, not even superstar whistle, just give him a normal whistle, and it's pro- it's probably better. I think you'll see his free throws go up in the playoffs too, which is going to be even sure. scarier for for teams if he's going to the line 10, 11, 12 10 times. Like Embiid status, that's going to be. Yeah. That's going to be fun. But Tatum, again, the, the story this season, there's a lot of stories this season, but Tatum being an MVP candidate, first team all NBA player, like that's number one. And, yep. you know, as much as I want to love smart and I do love smart and that it's super important that assist percentage considering how low usage he is. Again, it proves that he's just been a valuable player this year. Right. To me, that tells me like <clears throat> he doesn't have the ball a lot, but when he does, he's doing the thing that everybody wants him to do. So I don't understand the the hate that he still gets. Any big misses in terms of the ones that you like that I didn't put on there? Um, the fourth quarter one from Smart was great. I liked the one that was uh, Tatum's unassisted threes have gone down. Yeah, it was at forty five or forty three percent or forty five percent last year to like in the mid thirties this year. That tells me two things: one, his shooting has regressed a little bit from deep, but also. We're not seeing as many isolation, hold the clock, sidestep threes. We're seeing his threes come off ball movement, come off, you know, spacing the floor, making the right play. That I thought was was interesting because usually when the offense stalls is when they get into bad isolation habits. And I think their isolation also dipped from like 8.7% to 7.2 or 7.3, something like that. So they're moving the ball better. They're playing less isolation. And for Tatum specifically, even though we know he can make that shot, he's not as dependent on it as he had been in previous seasons. Specifically to that point, Shaq talked about this last night. I tuned, I, I did the thing where I watched the game on NBC, but tuned into TNT for the yep. halftime. The halftime. Yep. Sometimes a waste of your time with the, with that crew, uh, especially last night when they spent the first five minutes talking about Ben Simmons. I was like, guys, they're losing the game. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> anyway, uh, the one thing that, that Shaq highlighted, it was like, look, Tatum's ability to trust his teammates mm-hmm. that they will either A, make a good play in, in their shot selection or B, get him the ball back. He trusts the team, his teammates to find him if they think that he needs to get it again. His ability to get off the ball, work off the ball, get it back and get a good shot. That's again, talk about free throw rate and that. Those are the two big things with Tatum. Like the one people talk about Trey Young, where Trey Young doesn't know how to work off the ball. That's been his biggest problem in terms of like an mm. off ball. And that's what makes Steph Curry so great is Steph is so willing to give it up and then work to get it back. Yep. That's that's when you talk about start a superstar, finding a way to impact your teammates in a positive way without doing much or by doing stuff off the ball. That's huge, and and that stat shows that without question that Tatum's just taking another leap. Yeah, so that one, and then the the last one that I loved was that they were, and this may have changed, I have to go back and look, but they were 12-5 and in clutch time games. So if you remember, this team could not win a game in clutch time to save their lives to start last season. I might have have ranted about that after the Knicks loss. I might have been like – Yeah, so I think that's what, like a 70% win percentage. At the time of the blog, it was like the third highest clutch time win percentage in the league. Uh, that is something that when you remember that they're like, you know, one in three in overtime, they've lost some close games, but 12 and five shows me that they're figuring out how to execute down the stretch. 
So even if you're annoyed that maybe they're, you know, playing too close a game with the Spurs or the Bulls or whatever, we're seeing them come through and find ways to execute. And those are the reps that are going to matter in the postseason to where now it's not like the Celtics need to blow somebody out to to beat them. We're seeing them come through in close games. And, and that is not something we saw through the first half last season. Right. And look, the team's 31 and 12. So kind of hard to find bad ones when you're 31 yeah. and 12. There are some bad yeah. ones. And actually, I'm going to lead off kind of piggybacking yours. The C's are one and two in games decided by three points or less and are one and three in overtime. Like, small stat, yep. four games, but they're not great. It could tells be, their story. Yeah, it helps it, tell their know, story. The, the, and, and the Cavs, you know, overtime losses came early in the season. Maybe now, a little bit different story. You know, we'll see. They got to play Cleveland uh, two more times this year. So I can't wait to, to see those and see if they can shake that one off. The Miami game, Jimmy Butler was just out of his friggin' mind in that game. And I'm so, so sick of Jimmy Butler, man. <laughs> so sick of Jimmy Butler. But he hit like just tough, tough, shot tough shot after tough shot after tough shot after tough shot in that game. So you tip your cap. But, you know, to piggyback off of your stat, that's the only – when it goes to overtime, essentially when you flip a coin, Boston hasn't done well. But yeah. it's that. And then the last one is this one – there's a positive spin to it, but at the same time, it, you know, it could get better. Uh, number 39 on average, the Celtics have 404.2 touches a game. Of that number, just 21.6 are paint touches. That's 19th in the league. I would love to see if this team could get in the paint a little bit more, especially with the guys they have with Jalen, Jason, Brogdon, White. They have guys that can penetrate, but to be fair, even with all that being said, on paint touches, Celtics are shooting 69 nice percent, uh, which is third in the league and their fourth fewest turnovers when it comes to paint touches. So when they get there, good it's things awesome. happen. Yep. You just don't get there all the time. Just right. that was, yeah, that was my, my angle of it. It's like, okay, when they do it, they're elite at it. So, you know, just do it a little bit more. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who says, Oh, they need to stop shooting threes, blah, blah, blah. Love and trust Missoula ball and just get over it. Okay. The point is there are times during a game you can pick your spots. I personally like it more like at the beginning of the game, in the beginning of the third quarter, attack the paint because whether it's white, Brogdon, smart, Jalen, Tatum, they have such good paint finishers. You're taking control of the ball, which tells me, you know, if you remember the freaking playoffs, every time they would put the ball on the floor, it seemed like it was getting stripped. Once they got into the paint, they've cleaned that up, both Tatum and Brown specifically. And you just have guys that are elite in that zone. Let's just, you know, 19th in the league. I get you shoot a lot of threes. You can still get up, like just be a top 10 team in paint touches and see what happens. I'm assuming number will, will that'll go up per game um, with the addition of Rob back. I think, yep. you know, the alley-oops are just going to be there. All the time. So yep. that'll help a little bit. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, yeah, I was surprised to see 19th. I thought was a little low. I was expecting them to be, you know, maybe on the outside of the top 10, just because of how good their guards are at driving. Right. So when I saw 19th, I was like, oh, we gotta, we gotta clean that up a little. I miss any negative ones. I'm trying to think. Um, no, it's, tough. it's 41. So it's hard to keep track of. Them. Yeah. Maybe I mean, I I don't, 
I'll rephrase it like this. Put it in there. Their December offense was pretty gross. I think that was like 28. That happens. Yeah. And, then, and people need to understand that that's going to happen. The, the teams are going to yeah. have bad games. They're going to have bad stretches. It's 82 games. It's going to happen. I guess yeah. I'll rephrase it this way. C's are now 43 games into the season, not 41. So they have I – mean, they're two wins, so that's great. 31 and 12, halfway through. Mm-hmm. Are you are, – are the Celtics about where you thought they'd be better? Because, you know, obviously worse – you could have thought that too. Where, in terms of halfway say, through, so far. in terms of their record and how they're playing, I'd say they're probably around where I thought. Just because I was pretty convinced over the last five six months of last season that they figured out their formula. So even though they had Ime, you know, gone and a new coach, it's like this core had been around where they know what the formula is for them to be successful. It was just a matter of will they keep doing it? And once we got, you know, the first five or six games and you saw them play, it looked the exact same, right? So I'm not surprised that a team that didn't lose any major players that added in the offseason a pretty good player in Brogdon, whose core has been together forever. It's almost like, and then once Joe proved that, like, this wasn't too big for him, um, I'd say they're right along because I did the – the last 41 games to end the season last year, they were 31 and 10. And the first 41 this year, they were 29 and 12. So it's like they're playing the exact same brand of basketball. Um, so I'm not too surprised on it. And I don't think it's something that isn't sustainable because they've now done it over a hundred something games. If you include last year's playoff run. So I think this is just who they are. It's now going to be a matter of can they make sure to get over whatever mental hurdles they have in the playoffs because the formula is there, the talent's there. Like there's no excuse for them to, to not be successful when it matters most. Yeah. I'll be honest. When the season started, I did, I did not expect them to be at the halfway point in first place. I just didn't considering the injuries that they have and considering the new coach, I just thought there was just no way. Well, I would say like, I don't know if I thought they would be in first place. Cause like, you know, Milwaukee may have been 32 and nine, you know, but I just, from where they are in terms of their record doesn't surprise me. The fact that they have a, you know, four game lead over everybody is a little surprising. Cause I thought teams like, you know, Milwaukee would be a little bit better teams like, you know, the, the heat would be better. So I didn't expect that, but the record isn't a surprise. I, I, I guess, yeah, that's, that's a better way to put it. I'm just surprised that they're the one seed somewhat comfortably at this particular moment when I thought that they would be like, you know what? We'll just try and get the two or three seed, you know, you know, get home court for round one, you know, go on the road rounds two and three. Like that's, that's the path in my head. I thought this was going to go. And now I always, I was always hoping that their playoff run and how important home court was and how much of kind of a prayer it was that you won a game seven on the road to make the finals. Basically, I thought to me, they would say, okay. We want the number one overall seed, not just in the East, but if we are fortunate enough to make the finals, we want home court in the finals. Right. So it it's nice. I mean, they could still let go of the rope and that could change, but it's I thought their run last year sort of gave them the mindset of we saw what happened when Giannis had to come on and into our building in a game seven. When right. you're in those game, you know, coin flip type games, you know, it was nice for them to win in Miami, but 
odds say that you're not going to win too many game sevens on the road. So just take care of business now and have that in your own building. I, I, I just, I, I thought they would maybe throw that away and be like, you know what? They've won game six on the road against Giannis. They won games. Like I'm, I was like, maybe this team doesn't really care about where they play. Maybe just, you know, the circumstance has to be right from them to really come through. But if they're going to be the one seed, I'm not going to be mad about it. That's all I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be thrilled that, uh, again, if you're a Seas fan and you're not thrilled right now about this team, then you need to like, go touch grass or something. I don't know. Like it's just people, the negativity will continue to bother me, whether it's about Jalen Brown or this team in general or whatever. Like I just, I, I, I have better things to do with my life. There's, there's just enjoy the ride guys. Um, That was awesome. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you. on What was, I think again, different format for us, but um, something I wanted to try out just because again, being once a week, it's hard to react to like everything all at once, but (laughs) you know, some important games that happened while we were gone. Uh, the 72 points com- or 73 points combined for the Jays. And then, of course, the bench last night was spectacular. So, uh, one to highlight that. Dan Greenberg, Barstool Sports. Was it at Stool Greeny, right? On Twitter. At Stool Greeny. That's, That's right. Check out his blog. It's tremendous. He, the ultimate Marcus Smart defender. No question about it. No question about it. Uh, shout out to everybody. Make sure you rate, subscribe to the show on YouTube, on iTunes, on Stitcher. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Uh, shout out to HelloFresh, our new sponsor. Uh, use the promo code BEAT21. That's B-E-A-T, the number two, number one, at HelloFresh.com slash BEAT21 for 21 free meals and free shipping. So much free stuff. Get after it. Plus, also, AG CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus when you put in all your info. Dan Greenberg, myself, thanks to Adam Coffin. Thanks to my guy, uh, Amit, who is just the best in terms of getting our stuff ready to go. He's the man. Uh, and thank you guys. You guys have yourselves a great day. Greeny, thanks a lot, bud. All right, guys. Anytime. <laughs>